you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. This morning, we are so very honored and privileged that they would take time away from their growing and revival church in Addison, Illinois. Many of you have traveled there and visited, and of course, he is no stranger to those who have been around CLC for any length of time. Their ministry uh, takes them around the country, and uh, I don't know that I have a friend uh, alive on this planet that uh, is any longer-running friend than Brother Brian Labatt, about 35 years. I know our wives don't look old enough for for that to be true, but we've been friends for a very, very long time. And uh, we're honored this morning to have them here. I have a lot of confidence in him, and uh, thank God for him and his ministry. I want you to put your hands together and give Brother and Sister Labatt a great big God bless you as they come to minister this morning. your hands one more time. Give the Lord a good praise. He deserves it. He deserves it. I said he deserves it. Amen, amen. Thank you, praise team. Incredible job the praise team did leading us in worship. I like what I feel in this house today because Jesus is in the house. Turn to someone and say, Jesus is here. Come on and tell him, I don't know what your need is, but God is able to meet with you in this building today before you leave this house. Does anybody believe that? I said, does anybody believe that? Come on, give, clap your hands and give the Lord another good praise in this place. Hallelujah. We worship you, great God. We love this church. We're so thankful for uh, this great church and your pastor and wife and friends as he had mentioned for a long time and, and um, appreciate the influence that he has on my life personally and uh, I know that you're blessed here with great leadership and how many know you can worship anywhere but you can't grow everywhere you can worship anywhere but you can't grow everywhere soil matters and I want you to know that this is a good place for you to plant your feet and get rooted and grounded in this church. It's a great church. 
We thank God for that. So glad my wife is here. I'm not sure I'm with her or she's with me. Uh, but either way, we're together. And I'm always glad when she's, when she's here. Uh, the book of Acts chapter 9, if you have your Bible. I'll try not to preach too long. The uh, Apostle Paul, there's only one time when, um, when, when the words long preaching that you'll find in the scripture, and that's when Paul was preaching and Eutychus fell out of the window and died. So um, to all the preachers in the house, it's good to, to keep it short. We don't want to kill anybody in the house today. But I do feel a word from the Lord, Acts chapter 9 and verse 8. Acts chapter 9 and verse 8. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. I want you to know that when you get to praying, God begins to move. God told Ananias to go into a street called Straight. I want to preach for just a few moments on this subject, a street called straight. A street called straight. God bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. That word straight there means extending or moving uniformly in one direction only without a curve or a bend. In physics, in geometry, in space, the shortest distance between two points is always a straight line. A straight line is a consistent line, it's an even line, it's a reliable line that only has one direction with no deviations or departures to the right or the left. And of course, the opposite of a straight line is a crooked or a wavering line, a line that's inconsistent and follows more than just one direction. The more a line wavers, the more energy is expended, the less you go forward, and the longer it takes to get to your destination. And so... The fastest way forward is always the straight way. Say the straight way. And what is true in the natural is also true in the spiritual. I find that straight is the way the prophet described as the way of God. Straight is the way of God. Jeremiah 31 and 9, They shall come with weeping and with supplication will I lead them, and I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water as in a straight way, wherein they shall not stumble, for I am a father to Israel. I'm going to lead them by the straight way. We see this word straight all through the scripture. Isaiah 45 and 2. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. Proverbs 4 and 25. Let thine eyes look right on and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Matthew chapter 3. John was that voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. In Joshua chapter 6, the walls of Jericho fell flat, and the Bible said every man went straight before him and took the city. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16, when Jesus was baptized, the Bible said he went straightway out of the water. In Luke chapter 13, that woman that was healed of an infirmity was immediately made straight and glorified God. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus called Peter and Andrew, they straightway left their nets and followed him. In Hebrews, the writer said in chapter 12, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Make straight paths for your feet. I'm here to preach today that straight is still the way. Straight is still the way. For he was Paul, the great apostle Paul, he was Saul. And he was traveling to Damascus to persecute more believers and bring them down to Jerusalem. When I look at the life of Saul, I see that he had a noble profession. He was a Pharisee. He was well educated. He had studied and knew the law well. He had the right birthright. He was a Roman citizen. He was very religious and he was zealous for God. 
He was very driven. His mission was to capture the believers of Christ and bring them bound to Jerusalem. And yet, in spite of everything that Saul was, he was still lost and he was still living in darkness. And not only did he not have a relationship with God, but he was completely working against God, against the will and the purpose of God. But then the Bible said one day as he's traveling to persecute more believers, he has this incredible encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And uh, the Lord knocks him off his donkey. He's laying in the dust. And, and, uh, and, and the Lord said, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And, and Saul says, who art thou, Lord? The Lord says, I'm Jesus whom thou persecutest. And, and, and when that happened, he had such an encounter with the Lord that, that Saul says, what would you have me to do? What do I need to do? The Lord tells him to go into Damascus and directs him to a street called Straight. Now, there are many roads in Israel, but as far as I can tell, this is the only street in the Bible that's mentioned by name, Straight Street. You know, I like the fact that it's called Straight. I like that because it speaks of the way that every life has to take if you're truly going to follow Jesus Christ. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. And so in Acts chapter 9 and verse 11, the Lord speaks to Ananias, and as God is directing Saul to Straight Street, the Lord says to Ananias, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. The Lord speaks to Ananias. And Ananias' name here in the Greek simply means graciously given by the Lord. Ananias was somebody who was graciously given by the Lord. We find two prominent Ananiases in Scripture the first Ananias is Ananias, the high priest that had Jesus crucified. But that second prominent Ananias we find here in Acts chapter 9 that has been graciously given by the Lord. And certainly God could have done the same thing for Saul in Jerusalem that he did for him in Damascus. But instead of using the Ananias who was real religious and crooked, God chose to use the Ananias who was on a street called Straight. And this Ananias only appears one time in Scripture. Only one time do you find his name. But he lives and ministers like he's been graciously given by the Lord. When we first see this Ananias, he's only mentioned as a certain disciple. The Bible doesn't even call him by name. He's just a certain disciple. He has no special honor, no special pedigree. You wouldn't have looked at this Ananias and thought that he was anything special. No books are written about him. No sacred text bears his name as the author. But had his life not collided with Saul on a street called Straight, we wouldn't have two-thirds of the New Testament. We wouldn't have an apostle to the Gentiles. We wouldn't know about the rapture of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so I say thank God for the great apostle Paul because he gives us all of this. But had it not been for this Ananias, graciously given by God, and his encounter with Saul on Straight Street, none of this would have been possible without that encounter. Before Saul could become the great apostle Paul, he had to meet Ananias and get direction on a street called Straight. I want you to know that you've arrived here today on Straight Street. You have run right into Straight Street on this Sunday morning. I want to tell you in a world where truth is relative, in a world where nothing is right and wrong, where everything seems to be suggestive and there are no absolutes, I've come with a sure word today, straight is the way, straight is the way, straight is the way, straight is the way. And I want to tell you it's God's will for everyone to come by the way of straight street. God wants to put you on straight street today. Somebody clap your hands and give God a praise. this story, I find three amazing and powerful things that happen on Straight Street. This is what I want to preach about for the next few moments. The first thing that happened is Saul experienced salvation on Straight Street. In Acts 9 and 17, when Ananias entered the house, 
He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, God sent me here that you might receive the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice that Saul, who's already a believer, Saul, who's already had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, is now being filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me say it as loud as I can say it and as strong as I can say it. It is God's will for every believer to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. I said it's God's will for you to receive the Holy Ghost. You say, how do you know? Because of what Peter said in Acts chapter 2 and 39. He said, the promise is to you and your children and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want you to know God is still calling people in this hour, and he's still baptizing people with the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout yes. Not only was he filled with the Holy Ghost, but the Bible said after the scales fell from his eyes in Acts 9 and 18, he arose, and when he arose, he was baptized. Now, I don't know what your experience is in this house today, what kind of encounter you've had with Jesus, but it is God's will for every believer to be baptized in his name and filled with his spirit. If you've walked into this building today and you've not gone down in the waters of baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and if you've never received the infilling of the Holy Ghost and spoke with tongue, it is God's will before you walk out of this house today to be baptized in His name, to take on the name of Jesus in water baptism. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, I want to tell you something. If you're not really looking for straight street, you're not going to find it. If you don't really want it, you're going to bypass it. You'll go right by it. If you're not really hungry for it, you'll find every reason to justify it. But Paul, this same Paul who was Saul in Acts 17 said that they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him because he's not far from every one of us. I want you to know that Jesus is not that far away from you today. I said, he's not that far. And if you'll feel after him and you'll go after him, you can find him today. Somebody shout today. And just like Saul, it is God's will for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but I think it was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, revival broke out in Asbury, Kentucky, and, and there seemed to be a, a worldwide uh, a seeking of God and a, a worldwide revival and people begin to, to seek God. But I want you to know there's more to it than what happened in Asbury because our seeking has to lead to a street called straight. And we've got to come to a full Bible salvation experience. Your seeking needs to take you somewhere. Your seeking has a destination. I want to tell you the way to heaven has never been clear. I said the way to heaven has never been clear except a man be born of the water and of the spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. You've got to come by the way of the water and you've got to come by way of the spirit. Well, I want you to know it's not that complicated. Being born of water is water baptism in Jesus' name. And being born of the spirit is spirit baptism. Acts 2.38 is the answer to John chapter 3 and verse 5. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My brothers and sisters, it doesn't get any straighter than that. It's as straight a message as you're ever going to find. You've got to repent. You've got to make an about face you're facing the world, but you've got to turn toward Jesus Christ. You've got to repent and turn from sin. You've got to be baptized. You've got to be baptized. That word baptism there in the Greek means to immerse in water. It is not a suggestion. Be baptized, every one of you. No one's exempt. Say, no one's exempt. In the name of Jesus Christ, it matters what name is spoken over you. In water baptism, oh yes, it matters what name is spoken over you. There's only one name that died for you, shed his blood for you, redeems you, called you, and that name is Jesus. 
be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For, for the remission of your sins. That word remission there means forgiveness. When you go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, the blood that Jesus shed for you at Calvary is applied to your life, and the sins of your past are completely washed and removed out of your life. And then he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise to every hungry and sincere believer. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I want to ask you what Paul asked John's disciples. I want to ask you who was Saul, but he turned to Paul and what he asked John's disciples. How are you baptized and have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? I want to ask everybody in this house, how are you baptized and have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They had been baptized unto John's baptism. And so Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, and that is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, when they heard this message, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. I want to say it again. It's God's will. If you've walked into this building today and you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, it is God's will before you leave this house to get your sins remitted and the name of Jesus applied to your life. Somebody clap your hands. Give God praise. That's powerful. That is so powerful that he experienced salvation on Straight Street. But that's not all that happened. Something else that happened is that he found connection on Straight Street. Notice that Ananias is calling him brother. Ananias walks in the house and he calls him brother Saul. In Acts 9 and 19, after he ate and was strengthened, then Saul was certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. Notice he's no longer a persecutor of the believers. He's, he's now sitting down at the table and he's having fellowship with the same ones that he came to arrest and to take bound back to Jerusalem. Notice this, he not only found salvation on Straight Street, but he's also found connection with the body of Christ. Oh, that's so powerful. Listen, one of the most amazing things that happens when you're born again is you become a part of the family of God. You become a part of his family. We're grafted into the vine. Listen to what Jesus said in John 1. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. In Romans 8 and 15, we receive the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In Romans 8 and 17, as children, we're heirs and not just heirs, but joint heirs with Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, this same Paul, he said, now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners but you're fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Listen, that's so powerful. When you come to God, when you find yourself at Straight Street, you not only receive salvation, but you become a part of the family of God. You will become heirs and join heirs with Christ. I want you to turn to someone and tell them, welcome to the family. Come on, tell him, welcome to the family. You're a part of this. Can I tell you, there is nothing like being a part of the church. I said there is nothing greater in all this. You can be a part of a lot of things in this world, but there is nothing greater than being a part of the body of Christ and the family of God. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. Paul said in Ephesians 1 and 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted into the beloved. You're not rejected today, but you're accepted into the family and in the body of Christ. Thank God for the church. I don't know where I'd be today without the church. I don't know where my life would be, my marriage, my family. I don't know where I'd be today without the church. And there's a reason why the writer in Hebrews said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Why did he say that? Because he knew we need the connection that comes with being a part of the body. We need that bond in that fellowship that comes with being a part of the body of Christ. And so every Wednesday and every Sunday morning, we've got the opportunity to gather together 
together in this house as the people of God. Somebody shout together. Somebody shout together. Is anybody glad to be in the house of God together? Oh, the Bible said we're planted together. We, we're glorified together. We strive together. We're joined together. We're laborers together. We're workers together. We're quickened together. We're raised up together. We're followers together. We're knit together. And the Bible said we shall be caught up together. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. My brothers and sisters, one of these days Jesus is coming back and we shall be caught up together. Hey, I want to stay in this. I said I want to stay in this. The enemy's good at trying to push us out of the body of Christ and separate us from the things of God. But I want to plant my feet in this and I want to stay in the church, in the body of Christ. And so not only did he experience salvation, but he finds connection at Straight Street. And then the Bible said he received revelation. He got revelation on Straight Street. Acts 9 and 20, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues. That he is the son of God and confounded the Jews at Damascus proving that he was the Christ. He got a revelation of who Jesus is. He got a revelation of who Jesus is. Can I tell you the greatest revelation that you could ever receive in this life is the revelation of the mighty God in Christ. That God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Paul, this same Paul who was Saul, who met Jesus on that Damascus road, told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3 and 16. He said, without controversy, Timothy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God was revealed. He was made known in the flesh. Don't get worried when you see the Son of God in Scripture. We see it all through the scripture, the Son of God, the Son of God. Anytime you see the word Son, you can insert the word flesh. Because that's who Jesus was. As the Son, he was the flesh of Almighty God. It was the same Paul who got a revelation on Straight Street that said in Colossians 1 and 15, Who is the image? Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the picture, the likeness. He's the representation, the illustration. He's the icon, if you will, of the living God. Jesus is the icon of the living God. How many have a computer? You got the icon on your computer, and when you click on that icon, it opens up everything that's within that icon. Everything comes to life when you click on that icon. Listen, when you get Jesus and you click on him, Everything that God is, all of his attributes, all of his glory, you'll find in Jesus Christ. He is the image. He is the picture. He is the likeness, the representation of the invisible God. It's all in him. It's in Jesus. The Bible said in John 4, 24, God is spirit. Say, God is spirit. And the Bible said, no man hath seen God at any time. You can't see God because God is a spirit. A spirit doesn't have flesh and blood and therefore it cannot be seen. The only way that God could be seen is if he chooses to reveal himself in flesh. If he chooses to reveal himself in a way that we can identify and we can see him. And so the writer in Hebrews 1 said, Who being the brightness of his glory, Jesus being the brightness of God's glory, his illumination of his beauty and the expressed image of his person. Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God and he is the exact lightness of his person. One translation reads like this, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. 
And so for God to pay the price for sin, for God to redeem us, he had to become flesh. He had to assume a human body and offer his blood on that cross. And the Bible said in Hebrews 10 and 5, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. And so when God came to redeem us, he came with a body. He prepared himself a body, a body of flesh that could bleed and die on that tree. And so when we talk about the Father, we're not talking about a different God than Jehovah, but we're talking about Jehovah in relation to us. When we talk about the Son, we're not talking about a different God than Jehovah, but we're talking about Jehovah as coming in flesh to be our Savior. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about a different God than Jehovah, but we're talking about Jehovah in His spiritual action and work in the lives of men and women. These are not three separate gods. These are not three separate beings. Rather, these are three manifestations or expressions or demonstrations of the one God who is the eternal spirit. I want somebody to get the revelation in this house today about who Jesus is. He was the Father. He was the Son. He is the Holy Ghost. Oh, so powerful. Listen, when we talk about the Father, when we talk about the Son, when we talk about the Holy Ghost, Scripture refers to this as the Godhead. The Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost is the Godhead. But I think it's important to note that Jesus is not in the Godhead, but the Godhead is in Jesus. Say it's in Him. Colossians 2 and 9, for in Him Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in Him, Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. What are you preaching? I'm preaching when you get Jesus, you get God. When you get Jesus, you get the Father, you get the Son, you get the Holy Ghost. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in Him. Somebody shout yes. Translation reads like this, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. All that God is resided in Jesus Christ. And so the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost all culminate, they conclude, they end in Jesus. There's only one verse in the scripture that uses the word three in reference to God. And that's found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7 where it said, There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But then he said, and these three are one. The only three that bear record in heaven, the only verse that talks about three. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And he said, but these three are one. Now notice, why does it say Word and not Son? There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. Not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Why does it say Word and not Son? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus, as the Son, was only in heaven as the Logos. He was only in heaven as the Word, the thought, the plan. John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. But if you keep reading down to verse 14, the Bible said, And the Word that was in the beginning, that was with God and was God, the Word became flesh. God Almighty, that eternal spirit, took on a human body and he came in the form of flesh. Oh, that's powerful. That is so powerful. Does anybody love this message? Is anybody thankful for the revelation of the mighty God in Christ? 2 Corinthians 4 and 6, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face, in the face of Jesus Christ. Brother Jordan, that's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. That's why we bury people in the name of Jesus. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus said, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. 
But notice Jesus didn't say, in the names of the Father, plural. He said, in the name, singular, the name of the Father, the name of the Son, the name of the Holy Ghost. Why did he say that? I'll tell you why. Because Father is not a name. And Holy Ghost is not a name. And Son is not a name. There's only one name. I said there's only one name. You can have many titles and you can fulfill many roles, but you only have one name. Had there been three separate beings, there would have been three separate names. But in Matthew 28, 19, there's only one name. And it's the same singular name for all three. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not three separate persons, but they are three separate manifestations of the one true and living God. Your pastor is your pastor. He's a father. He's a son. He's a husband, but he only has one name. When you call him, you're going to call him not father. You're not going to call him son. You're not going to, you may call him pastor. You need to call him pastor. But he's got a name. His name is Phil Jordan. Jesus is the name of the Father. Can I shout it loud and strong? Jesus is the name of the Son. And Jesus is the name of the Holy Ghost. Come on, stand with me and give him praise in this house if you know who he is. Oh, hallelujah. I'm glad I've received a revelation of who he is. I know who I worship today. His name is Jesus. And when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, it It covers all three descriptions and manifestations of this one true God. I've heard those say, I'll never be apostolic. I'll never be apostolic because you people are Jesus only. You're Jesus only people. I can't accept that. And to that I would say, we're not Jesus only. We're Jesus everything. We're Jesus everything. So Saul had that encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, but notice he was told what to do on a street called Straight. It was on that street called Straight that he experienced salvation. It was on the street called Straight that he found connection with the body of Christ. And it was on that street called Straight that he received the divine revelation of the mighty God in Christ. Before Straight Street, he was Saul the persecutor, but after Straight Street, was the great apostle Paul. There's something powerful that can happen when you run into Straight Street. His name was Brad Elliott. He uh, he came to me at our last men's conference in Chicago, and he said, "Do you remember me?" And I said, "No, I I don't." And he went on to say, "Well, we met in 1991 when you were preaching in Spooner, Wisconsin." And he said he came to church that Thursday night for that youth revival. And he said it was the very first service he ever attended in his life. And he said, when I came to church, he said, I hated you. I hated you because of what you preached. I hated you. He said, you were talking right to me. You named all of my sins. You called them all by name. And I hated you for it. But he said, you know what happened a week later? I came back. And he said, I kept coming Sunday after Sunday until after about three months of coming to church, God saved him. You know what he said? He said, said, you don't know the impact that you made in my life. You have no idea what you did for me. He said, God totally turned my life around. And he said, and you know what he's doing today? He's doing the same thing I'm doing. He's standing in a pulpit and he's preaching this message. He's preaching this Acts 2.38 message. He's preaching the oneness of God in Christ. He said, you don't know the impact you had on my life. He ran right into Straight Street. I've come to tell somebody in this house, uh, you didn't come here by accident today. 
You didn't just decide, I'm coming to church on this Sunday morning. But God brought you here because God knew there was going to be a preacher that was going to preach truth to you. God knew there was a preacher that was coming that was going to preach water baptism in Jesus' name. God knew there was a preacher coming that was going to preach about the Holy Ghost. God knew there was a preacher coming that was going to tell you who Jesus is. He's not just the Father or the Son or the Holy Ghost, but He is everything. And I don't know how crooked your life is, how messed up your life is. You walked in this building today and your life is so messed up, your life is so crooked. I just want to tell you one encounter with Jesus on straight street. Just one encounter with Jesus on straight street can completely change your course and your destiny in this life. Come on, lift your hands right now. Feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Presence of the Lord is here. Presence of the Lord is here. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, you just ran into Straight Street this morning. You've arrived at Straight Street this morning. If you're in this building and you have a need, I don't care what the need is. I don't care if it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial. I want you to step out, and I want you to make your way to this altar. I want you to come as quickly as you can. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life today. Jesus is here. His presence is in this house. Come on, step out and make your way down to this altar. In fact, why don't you take somebody by the hand right now and say, come on, let's make our way down to the altar. Jesus is going to meet us there. Jesus is going to meet us there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands right now. Would you do that? Turn to someone and connect with them. And I want you to begin to pray with them right now. The Holy Ghost is here. I don't know what your need is today. I don't know what you need the Lord to do in your life. But His presence is here right now. Come on, connect with somebody. Would you lift your voice and begin to pray? Oh God, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As you speak the name of Jesus over their life, speak the name of Jesus over their life.
Sometimes it becomes a little uncomfortable. We're more comfortable when we're praying for somebody else, but we struggle sometimes to pray for ourselves. We've heard a message today that will save the world. So you're going to ask this morning, perhaps, what do I do with this message today? It's already been spelled out to us. We need to repent of our sins. The issue with repentance is another person can't repent for me. I have to repent for myself. Repentance is a change of heart and mind, a decision that I'm not going to go back to my old life. I want to turn around. I want to change in my life. Is there anybody that has ever reached that point that you say, I want to change in my life? Anybody ever reached that point saying, I want to change? I wonder how many today would say, I need a change in my life. I need a change in my life right now. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to all repent together. Your brother, sister, neighbor can't repent for you, but you've got to repent for yourself. And that's just asking God to help you change, telling him, Lord, I'm sorry for the life that I've lived, for the wrong that I've done, for the sins that I've done. If he brings specific sins to you, repent over it, telling God, I'm sorry for that, for lying, cheating, stealing, carousing, whatever it may be that I've done. Lord, I, I lay it down and I refute it and I walk away from it. I repent for that old life. The Bible said he is faithful and just to forgive. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how much wrong. At that moment, you are forgiven. How many of you believe that? Let me see your hand. If you believe God can forgive sin. All right, why don't you lift the second hand with that right now. And together, I want you to repent all over the room right now. If, you're, if this is your first time here, this is what we do. We repent of our sins right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I come before you humbly. Lord, I can't repent for this congregation, but for myself. I come, Lord, repenting of every wrongdoing, of every evil thought, of every evil word, of every evil action, Lord. I never want to walk back to that again, Lord. I want to walk away from it. Lord, I want to walk toward you. Lord, I'm sorry for the person I've been, for the people that I've wronged, for, Lord, for wronging you and for walking in, Lord, in contradiction of your word. Now today, Lord, I repent. Make me whole. Make me new. Lord, let me start a new life from here, brand new, afresh. Lord, I never want to walk back. I refute the man I've been. I believe your word, and Lord, I accept your forgiveness. I accept your forgiveness. I receive it, and Lord, I ask that your love sweep over me right now. Lord, as I repent of all of my sin, and I believe you and trust you for forgiveness of my sin. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Come on, seal that prayer in Jesus' name right now. Now put your hands together and thank God that he is a forgiving God. Come on, lift your voice in that thanksgiving and let's bless the name of Jesus. Now let me help you. Let me help you and tell you that whatever you have in your past, God just forgave you of all your sins. You ought to thank him for that. Come on. How many of you sincerely repented before the Lord? Come on, how many of you sincerely repented before the Lord? Your sins are forgiven. Now here's the issue. We deal with the guilt of sin. We, we deal with the guilt of sin. God has forgiven us, but we still feel guilt. And that guilt that is associated with sin continues to try to walk with us. And it seems like it seems like, are we really forgiven because I feel the guilt? The Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Everybody say in. In Christ Jesus. Here's what the Bible said. We are baptized in 
to Christ. And so at the point of repentance, your sins are forgiven. But at baptism, your sins are remitted. You know what that means? That means that the blood of Jesus washes over sin and cleanses that sin and I believe removes the guilt that is associated with that sin. So the load of guilt that is still upon you after you repent is removed at baptism. Baptism is more than just going down dry and coming up wet. But here's what baptism does. Baptism, calling on the name of Jesus... You are baptized into Christ, into the name that Pastor Labatt preached about this morning. You are baptized into that saving name. The Bible says, where baptism doeth now also save us. Baptism is not optional, it is scriptural. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Here's the deal. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've never been baptized calling on the name of Jesus, water by immersion, you must be born again of the water. We have robes. We're ready to baptize you. We have warm water that's ready. One is already being prepared to baptize this morning. If Here's what I want you to do. I want you to... Everybody, 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 front to back, side to side, everybody in the building, I want you to turn to somebody next to you and ask them, have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name? Ask them that question. Have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name?